Good to Kelly was, oh, I thought, the Kilmarnock one, mate, that's tremendous compared to Dundee United. Just massive. I felt I was taking a step up because I thought Kilmarnock were a far better, over the years, a far better famous football team compared to Dundee United. So to me, it was a step up for me, even although they were only part-time, which was really sad because we had a great side. We got promotion. They were just a team. I just thought that that's fantastic. You know, they, they want me. Across two spells in Ayrshire, John Burke, the king of Rugby Park, made a lasting impression. In episode 27 of Kelly Histories, John talks about the role Kilmarnock played in salvaging his career in 1978, the successes he enjoyed, his pride at representing the club, and his profound regret at ending his second spell prematurely. I'm Gordon Gillen, and this is John Burke. John Burke's move to Jim McLean's Dundee United, an emerging force in Scottish football, did not work out. The prolific goalscorer transferred from Dumbarton to Tannadice Park in 1977, only to leave a year later with his career in jeopardy. You could say I took a chance, but I, I really, I was that, I was that really downhearted about that season with Dundee United with McLean. And every player in the team hated them, really disliked them. And almost that's, that's we kind of galvanised the team together because we'd help each other because he was given so much abuse. Mm. You know, um, it was always negative stuff. He rarely praised anyone. Remember we played Queen's Park in the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. They got the quarterfinals at home. We won 2 nothing, And we... Well-credited midfield player, Graham Payne. Cracking wee player for Dundee United midfield. But there was a, a player against him, mid, a Queen's Park midfield player, who really had a great game. And at the end, we went. At the end of the game, McLean gave wee Gordon just abuse. Didn't congratulate us on winning. He just said, you played rubbish. Mm-hmm. You were hopeless. And you think, we're just, we're just in now into the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. And he's given that abuse to a player who's a, who's a really good player, but the other player playing against you could have a better game. So if that, that was it, basically. That, that summed my clean up. Dundee United yeah. wanted me to come back, and I, they kept phoning me, and I said, no, I'm not coming back. I walked out in the July. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my teaching post at Holyrood until October. As soon as I got my teaching post, I went on the phone. Mm-hmm. My player I spoke to, I said, look, I've got my teaching post in Glasgow. Do what you like. I don't care. I've got. I'm, I'm doing that. Right. Mm. Ten minutes later, the chairman, the Kelly chairman, phoned me to say 
in the end of letting you go. But it to be Kilmarnock because I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. obviously McLean had been, they'd obviously been thinking about maybe getting away somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't it amazing, Lord, how things happen in the, in life that uh, that Kelly? Because I thought that was me yeah. finished with my career. See when that I heard it was Kelly, I just couldn't believe it. It's just it's such a big team. Me growing up through all the years, they won the league in the sixties. To me, they were a big club, even though they were part time. That didn't really matter. It was just the name. Well, I suppose they didn't need to pay money for me. I suppose they wanted to get some of the money back. So in that respect, I probably thought somebody might come in. But of course, I didn't have an agent. Mm. In those days, we didn't really have agents. So I never got any kind of good advice from, uh, and that's one of the problems that when I eventually did go. How then would you describe the management style of Davy Sneddon? He understood the game so well. His tactics were superb. He obviously looked at other teams and their weaknesses and their strengths and passed it on to us. So his whole management was just tremendous. Maybe knew the way I, what I was like, because I get really nervous. One, it's one of one of the reasons why I stopped playing. I shouldn't. I should have kept on playing, but I didn't because I was nervous. I used to suffer that just all the time in big games, Gordon. But Davy understood that, so he just gave me encouragement all the time, praised me if if it need be. And he was just a lovely guy. He was just a lovely human being and a great tactician. He obviously looked at other players and other teams and picked out weaknesses and what what you have to watch. This guy does this nigga. So he was just different class. So it was David. So when I stopped playing, I started taking a school team at Holyrood under 18s. The PE teaching were told encourage pupils to do it better, maybe show them. And I just encouraged, and if a player made a mistake, I said, don't forget about it. Come on, you do this. And I just tried to do what David Snedden was doing with the, with the team. And it's so important. That's, that, uh, and there are certain players where you have to be, you have to know the individuals. Can they take it? Yeah. And Davy obviously knew, well, I walked out because McLean was just giving me, um, he knew that I was a bit sensitive. Mm-hmm. So he just he just encouraged me all the time, which was, just, it was great to play in the team, Gordon. So how did Davy Snedden manage the more forceful dressing room characters, like Derek McDicken, for example? Davy wouldn't really... Uh, get on to Derek for you know he, and that's why he kept on doing it Jim Clooney was a wee bit harder mm. but he was still nice you know what I mean and Big Derek after Davy uh, Derek thought Jim Clooney was a real nasty person and I, <laughs> I said to Derek I said Jim Clooney's like a pussycat compared to Jim McLean. <laughs> I said, a pussycat compared to Jim McLean. Uh, and so he was. He was Jim Clooney was really nice. Really. And I couldn't believe that. He was saying, oh, he's 
Oh, don't like him. How would Derek Dickin have coped with Jim McLean oh, wow. or vice versa? Oh, wow. Oh. Oh. Unbelievable. What do you think opponents thought when they saw John Burke's name on the team sheet? <laughs> it never really occurred to me that much, I, I suppose. I've, I never really looked at it that way. There's always pressure particularly the first few games and you really think you've got to do it you know and uh, we're playing in the first division playing against lesser players with a great side there's no way I can lose out and uh, and that was that was the case George's crosses were phenomenal and Gordon all I could do all I could do was head the ball I could maybe lay the ball off I couldn't dribble I couldn't dribble at all in fact but I managed to do all right, and, and the fact the Kelly team gave me the opportunity to score goals. Now, you're going to be very modest and say there were plenty of good players in that team, but what is it you think, or can you put your finger on why you retain, re- still retain that level of acknowledgement and popularity? I'm sorry, Gordon, it's uh, a, bit, a bit upset. Because... I appreciate so much Kelly did for me and the Kelly fans, you know. Uh, what was the question again? The style of player that you were that meant that you have that level of popularity. What is it about? Because it can't just come from being a nice person. There has to be the performances on the pitch as well. What was it about your style of play that appealed? I was pretty good in the air, in fact, as we've said that before. I could lay the ball off. So with a partner, Dean Wallace at Dumbarton for a, for a few years, the two of us had a great, and then the, there was a few different ones. Ian Gibson was at Kill Kelly. So we did play a kind of 4 4 2, and it was, and in those days, it was, as you remember, Gordon, there was not much build up, especially from right back. You know, the goalie throws it out right back, he's through. In those days, it never really kind of happened. It was kind of Route 1 yeah. a lot of the time. And I was fortunate enough, I was pretty good in the air. So I could head the ball, I could challenge the centre-half, lay the ball off and connect with the midfield. So in that respect, I kind of saw the space. I moved into So I was reading the game quite well. But I was very fortunate in the first, in the first things, was it say about first impressions? Lesson. I came from playing in the Premier League to playing in the First Division with a great team. We put, we got promotion that season and I scored, I think, 20 goals, something like that. Mm-hmm. So my first thing we were the Kelly fans and it was John Burke, John Burke gave us a wave. That was it. I, I was in a great side who supplied me with the passes and whatever but to score the goals. Um, and I think I read the game fairly well as opposed to space, movement space, and in the box, I kind of did well. I remember coming back with Beacon <laughs> at Rugby Park, and I scored the header, winning goal header, you know, and the Kelly fans were always kind of cheering a bit, clapping, the fact that I scored a header. And I got between Derek and Paul, right between them, I managed to... Go to, almost go to the front post and I backed off. So he, Derek, if, if he was near marking the front, 
he didn't see me coming back and then of course Paul didn't have time to come in so it was just an easy, just an easy header into the net um, so that was that, that's important being able to, to do that I think that's one, one of the reasons why mentally um, I keep forgetting things Gordon I'm really getting bad and I think it's I just headed ball a lot as a kind of main striker I would get more opportunities to score goals than anyone else and when you get people crossing the ball and it's so important like George Maxwell it was basically all I, I could link yeah I could lay, I laid the ball off okay moved into space kind of, any intelligent being knows you see the centre half and you, you try and get avoid them you get out you move yeah. you, I used to say that I'm saying that to my son who's quite a good football player um, I'm saying you're standing next to the centre half while they're attacking I said, you don't do that, you move, make it harder for him. Uh, so in that respect, it was the the team that were so good, the midfield was so good, it made me score the goals because I got the service for it. Another thing we always thought about was getting in behind the fullback. So it was, this is this long ball again, in fact the classic long ball. <laughs> we, Dumbarton, were playing Kelly. In the Scottish Cup quarter final at Colmarnock, at uh, sorry, Boghead. The fullback, our fullback, got the ball and had a long ball up over their left back, and I ran onto it, crossed it, and one of my field players, big, oh, he's probably the mother of Oh, goodness, I can see what I mean about Tall guy. He was more of like a defender, but uh, anyway, headed it, and we won, I think we won 2 1. Uh, against Kelly to get into the semi-finals. The other one was <laughs> playing Celtic from Kelly, and it was a long against identical long ball over their left back. This is at Celtic Park. I ran onto it, past the fullback. The fullback's there, and you just you're here, and you just go into that space. And the ball's played through. You never guess who scored the header when I crossed it. You never believe this. But he ran the length of the park. Oh, Do you not remember the goal? I, I'm going to have to guess. I'm Great header. Stuart McLean. No, it was, <laughs> no, it was a, a guy who, who was tall, who could head the ball. Oh, uh, Big Paul. Big Paul. Scored. We lost, I think we lost just 3-2. Mm. And we were headed, uh, a good punch, you know, or 2-1 up at one stage. And just lost out. But that was the, just like you said, you, you look for the space in behind players and it's a long ball. You don't see that very often now, but it's effective if you can get onto it. But for him to, to sprint, there's a hump behind the fullback, and for him to get up into the box and score a cracking header. So you say that was like a striker's goal. Well, you should be a striker, Paul. Both him and Derek were a great team. Uh, we did have a, good, uh, a really good back four. I was fairly tall, but I was fairly fast, over 100 metres, <laughs> not, not over five yards, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's a classic thing, you know, that uh, you do that. The other one was coming short, which I didn't particularly like doing, but um, but playing with your fellow, if you did play with your fellow striker, he would run off you, uh, and you just try and lay it to him, and anyway, flick on or whatever. But the important thing, Gordon, is to always is to just keep moving look for space and space is so important for good players if good players get space they can be dangerous 
So in that respect, it was um, I just playing with a great, a great team, and Rugby Park helped Bulkhead. It was ridiculous. You couldn't play for uh, build up at Bulkhead for the the grass was Kilmarnock. It was it was phenomenal to play good football, and the Kelly team at that time was really a good football team. Players like V. Jimmy Clark was always looking for you to come forward and take a pass. He pass it to you, you lay it off. If not, when he made the pass, he moves forward into space and you lay it back to him, or you then lay it to another player, but there were options. But it was just a case of com- just moving and being in the right place at the right time, and it's something you just have to look at yourself. As a striker, when you see the space, you move into it, it's like, well, the one behind the fullbacks is a classic. And it doesn't really happen as much now as it did then because it's now it's all about you square it across the back four and then you get in the middle and you get back. It's so boring. But if you've got someone who can win the ball, a hump up the park's an easy way out. Yeah. It gets you out of danger. And you don't see it very often now that the striker's winning the ball in the air and heading it to either if there's one striker up front with or a midfield play making a run. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. It's all about now keeping the ball. Don't lose goals. You know, that's the most important. We don't lose goals. I mean, maybe we get a goal. Whereas back then, it was more direct. You know, it was like pass it forward, support it, move into space and behind them. And one of the reasons was the football parts then weren't that great. So you couldn't really pass it along the back four mm-hmm. with the defenders. That's a bit <laughs> kind of dodgy, yeah. to say the least. Back then, it was a bulkhead, just up and pop the park all the time. So I get plenty, plenty of practice at uh, trying to hit the ball. And hopefully, I think I was a bit of a nuisance to Big Paul. Following promotion in 1979, John was again a Premier Division striker. And a flying start to the season allowed a score to be settled. Beat the United at Rugby Park. I think it might have been Rugby Park. It was a great victory for me. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about it. Bobby Streets, second right, game of the Bobby. season. Home, ah, first home, right. first home game of the season. Back in the Premier Division, win against the United. Right. I, I remember it now. I think it's quite early on. It's so important, well, for me, to beat them when I, you know, and that's uh, that's great. I forgot we played in the United first game, uh, and then when I think back, I thought. How important my game it was for me to <laughs> show McLean. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. So it's <laughs> Fast forward to March 1988, and an unexpected return to Rugby Park for John Burke. Time once more to pull on that number nine shirt. His goals and his presence provided a vital boost as the team narrowly escaped relegation to the second division. That success, though, meant a decision had to be made. I retired far, far too early. Uh, Alan Robertson wouldn't speak to me. I was at Brecon City, went from Kelly back to Dumbarton. Um, I managed to get promotion, blah, blah, and that was great. Um, And then, for some reason, Dumbarton get an offer from Brecon City for me. <laughs> and the only reason I went was the, ma- the manager was well, Ian Gibson. 
who had a lot of a lot of respect for him. And I said, okay. So I signed for them because of him, basically. I played a good bit of the season. Towards the end, or just, just after Christmas, and the guy that came in, um, I can't remember his name, but he, he brought in one of his strikers from this club he was with. But he kept, right, you have to turn up, and I was travelling all the way up to Bacon, sitting in the stand, because I wasn't even sub. And I thought to myself, oh, that's it, I'm finished, you know, I'm going to chuck it. Near the end of the season, Kelly came in, because they were in that relegation. I signed, so it was maybe for the last six or seven games. Back then you could do that. Eddie Morrison was the manager. I said to Eddie, look Eddie, I've, I've been thinking of, what I was, well, sorry, I forgot you mentioned. When I was at Breakin and not, they weren't, weren't playing me, this guy wouldn't play me. He still wanted me to come up, right, and sit in the stand. So I told a lie, I said to him, look, the school I'm at in Glasgow, I'm the coach of the, the team, under 18 team. And the, the head teacher wants me to take the team on the Saturday. So it's okay if, I, if you don't need me, and I'm, so I'm not required, I can take. And he said, ah, okay. So I had that, not expecting, of course, for Kelly to come in, you know, and it was towards the end of the season. I said to Eddie, I said, look, Eddie, I've... Decided because I then at that point I thought I start that's another thing I started playing golf every Saturday, so I wasn't taking the school team. I lied about that. I took them later on, so I lied about that. I was playing. I thought this is great, no pressure, you know. Because so I said to Eddie, I said Eddie, I was going to retire, you know, before you you come in for me. So I said I I'm only wanting to play to the end of the season. He says oh okay right. So we stayed up, and he came to me and he said look. I want you to sign, and it's the worst thing I ever did, Gordon. Uh, I said to him, no, um, I've had enough, and Alan Robertson really, he really got upset with me, the fact that I was, I didn't want to sign for another season. So, and then what happened, Eddie said to me, there was a wee thing about, the, there was a League Cup, he said, well, you play a few games. So my last game was something like in October against Hibs at Easter Road. I got the, Hibs gave me the match ball because I'd said this is my last game and it's the worst thing I ever did, Gordon. I wish so much, See if I could go back, I would have played. I was only 34, so I could still manage okay. I was regretted to this day. I wish I'd spoken to someone first too, but um, I got to dislike the pressure, you know, mm -hmm. built up over the years, and I thought, and, and then playing golf every every Saturday, every weekend, I thought this is great, you know, it's uh, I can relax. But um, I could have played for another couple of years, I think, easily. One of the excuses I gave Gordon of quitting early mm -hmm. was the fact I didn't want to go away from Kilmarnock with a terrible season where they, where they forget what happened before. So I was kind of chicken. And that uh, that was another reason I didn't want to be nervous and not perform. Mm. I think my father wasn't alive when I decided to stop playing. He would have said, no, you're not stupid. Kilmarnock, I want you to 
Kilmallock wanted me to sign and it, the money was pretty good. I started working, I was teaching and I was getting the United £60 a week. £60 back then, I mean £60 is not that great, but that's what I was getting. I think it was something like £50 a win if you won, so you maybe get over 100 quid at that time, which was quite good. But to Kilmallock, it was very similar. It was maybe £40, £45 a week, plus a tip for winning, plus my teacher's salary. If you wanted a good wage, you had to win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was important. Then again, you're not going to win that many games if you're part-time. Not, not the same amount. You've got to be. You've got to play full-time football where your your fitness is good, but you're still resting. You're not training three nights a week and working during the day. That just knackers you. Over a whole season, you're really tired at the end. You really do tire at the end of it because you haven't got through this procedure. If you get a winning team, you're going to get a bigger support. I think that's important as well. But I think with Kilmarnock, the support's there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think many... That's the thing that gets me. It really gets me. People from Air, from Clybank, from Kilmarnock, they go to Celtic and Rangers. You know, no, you, you support your team. And I think Kilmarnock, I think they, they do get a a decent support, and particularly if they're successful. You know, some they won the league two years after I left. David Dodds yeah. took my place, and I think to myself, if I'd stayed, yeah. I might have, <laughs> I might have won. But then, if I'd stayed, I would never have experienced uh, Kelly. My life was so much better. Oh, the, the the years at Kelly, I'm so proud of Gordon. And I just love the club and the support. They were really, you know, just brilliant. It's been oh, absolutely brilliant. Gordon talking about me and in my career. And like I said to you before, if I'd known this when I was eight or nine, that I'd play for Kilmarnock, I just had to thank them so much for everything. It was a real joy to play with them. And uh, I wish I'd played those, you know, it's too late now, but it's a mistake and I'll never forget it. And I just have to say sorry to Alan and them that uh, that I did make that terrible mistake. Um, I think John, when I say John Burke, the thing, the thing that they're going to say is, brilliant, our favourite striker from the 70s and 80s. That's what they'll say. Nobody will say anything different. So I think you should cut yourself, honestly, I think you should cut yourself some slack on it because it's there in black and white. The goals and the, and the promotions. As I say, this means so much to me. My sincere thanks to John Burke for his honest reflections on the greatest moments of his career, made all the more special as they were so hard-earned. Kelly Histories is a not-for-profit project made for the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. Find out more at www.kellyhistories.com Don't forget to follow on Twitter and Facebook at Kelly Histories. And leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. For a third season, 
Huge thanks to the Killy Trust for their sponsorship, covering all production costs. To find out more about the Trust and its relationship with Kilmarnock FC, visit www.thekillytrust.com. The theme music Clear Progress by scotthomesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons license. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time. We won promotion type at the Dumbarton. Yeah. That final game of the season. So that, that was just icing in the cake. The Dumbarton fans party. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they were never anything like the Kelly fans. I mean playing Aberdeen uh, with Kilmarnock and uh, you couldn't hear the Aberdeen supporters because the Kelly fans really, really sang so loud. I'm so lucky not to have uh, that career with them.